Blog Talk Radio. Hey, happy Monday, everybody. This is Mindfulness Monday on Girl Power Half Hour. And I'm Annette Bingham, and Tasha Humphreys is here. Hey, Tasha. Hey, Annette. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. Yes, we're ready for Mindfulness Monday. Um, I don't know about you, but I need it today badly. I certainly need it, yes. I'm right there with you. Just been... Yeah, it's been kind of one of those Mondays. I've had a hard time getting started and focused, and so I need some mindfulness and some reminders. Um, And we're going to be talking about um, a book that has been out since I believe it was, the first year was 1997. Um, Mm -hmm. And it has been around the world. People have just flocked to it and flocked to this man who who authored this book and it's uh, The Four Agreements and if you haven't heard about it, you've had your head under a rock someplace because <laughs> it's been out it's been out there and about but uh, Don Miguel Ruiz was, he was uh, born in rural Mexico but he came from a, a um, family of healers. His mother was a healer. His fa- his grandfather was a shaman. Oh, and wow. they really, yeah, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. And they really had hoped that he would carry on. Um, he comes from Toltec lineage. And mm-hmm. the Toltec came from southern Mexico, and they were called the Women and Men of Knowledge, which wow. I thought was really cool. So they were the scientists and the artists that formed, you know, that society and explored spiritual knowledge and and did all the really cool uh, rituals and practices to um, become one with, you know, nature and themselves and and showing others how to live. So they had really wanted. Uh, Don Miguel to go into this whole whole technology thing, but instead he went to medical school and became a surgeon. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what our kids do a lot of times. That's right. Um, the exact opposite of what we want them to do. Absolutely. But he had a near-death experience, mm-hmm. and because of that experience, he really started to do some self-inquiry and turn back to the Toltec wisdom, and that's where this book came from. Um, And it's all about um, showing us where our limiting beliefs are and how we can overcome those limiting beliefs and live, you know, a more successful life, a life that, we truly want to live. And one of the things that I was reading uh, about some of this stuff, and it said that, uh, I'll just read this, as children we didn't have the opportunity to choose our beliefs, but we agreed with the information that was passed to us. And that was like our agreement at the time. And that's how we learn as children. We right. really believe what the adults say. And I was 
reading something today and heard something today that said between the ages of two and six, children operate from the theta brainwave, which is the the part of the brainwave that we function in that makes us like sponges. That's right. where we operate in when we're hypnotized. So that all these suggestions can be put into our heads. So those kids from two to six are really operating from the theta brainwave pattern. Right. And so they're soaking in all that information, good or bad, and picking up all these um, limiting beliefs about themselves if we're not careful. So I found that fascinating and really wanting to learn more about how we can get rid of these limiting beliefs and change them and and put into place other things that keep us from being limited in what we do. So I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, and actually, you know, what... Whenever I was first introduced to this book, um, Daniel Katsuk, you know him very well, um, is the first person to introduce me to this book. And in actuality, that was the piece that really grabbed me, the idea that, you know, we make that agreement when we're young that's kind of forced upon us, Uh, Mm -hmm. those, those feelings, thoughts, the way that we're going to think and believe is basically taught to us. And that's, I guess that's why a lot of us refer to, you know, um, people's childhoods as, as being brainwashed, you know, because a lot of times that's, yeah. that's what it is. If, if things are taught to you very young, depending on what it is that, that's being taught, I mean, it certainly can be good or bad. And um, I that's what drew me in initially is because, you know, my childhood and, and the abuse and everything I was subjected right. to and the, the voices telling me that I wasn't good enough and I wasn't worthy and um, and and that was the agreement I made to think that about myself, you know, not not willingly, it was just kind of forced on to me. And that's, you know, and at those, that age from two to six, when we're operating that that brainwave, we don't have a choice to tell you all that. Right, exactly. Because we just soak it up. It just goes right. in and stays in. And when after six, and it kind of switches, and those limiting beliefs are still there, even though we may not consciously think about this beliefs, we may actually outwardly act in a different way, but wonder why things are not working out for us. And it's that subconscious limiting belief from our childhood that's actually causing us not to succeed. Right. So exactly. fascinating stuff. So Tasha, yeah. you what's what's our first agreement? Okay, so um and if you don't have a copy of this book uh, first of all, it's a very easy read. It's a very small book. I mean, literally, like, you could throw it in your purse or in your pocket. It's a very small book you can get. Um, I highly recommend that you get it. You can obviously uh, read stuff online. And Annette's going to post this link that I'm going to be reading from today as well as one that she had sent my way earlier. We're going to have those online for you on our Facebook page, Girl Power Half Hour. Um, but I'm reading from uh, the website tolticspirit.com. And that's T-O-L-T-E-C, spirit.com. And the first agreement is be impeccable with your word. And let me explain that and and what uh, he says about it. 
Speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. That's a tough one. Yeah, it's one that we actually have, I think, a very difficult time with. And I don't even necessarily, um, I'm not even going to focus so much on the idea that you're not supposed to use the word to speak against others, like gossip. I think the difficult one that people, the one that people really struggle with, I know that I certainly struggled with myself when I first picked up this book, was speaking against yourself. And that comes from those voices uh, from my past that were, you know, taught to me during the time that I was young and, and listening to all those, negative messages and and picking those up and then speaking those negative messages against myself throughout the rest of my life. Um, That was something I struggled with. That part right there was very difficult for me personally. Well, it is because when you've got those, so often we, we have those words against ourselves and we try to say, okay, I'm not going to talk that way about about myself anymore. I'm not going to say that about myself anymore. But we have to replace it with something. If we're we're not going to talk about, uh, you know, for instance, okay, I need to replace my word by saying, um, because my word right now about my exercise program is, oh, my God, I can't do it. Right, can't do that word. Yeah. I know it's too hard, and I find myself. And I was I was thinking about this today. I really need to change my word to, you know, I am becoming more empowered and stronger, and this is a challenge, but I can do it. Right. And challenges are good, so right. we have to replace it with something. We can't just not say it anymore. We have to replace it. Yeah, and you know what I just um, think that you should, I used to do something that was, when I was really struggling, and, you know, we talked about it on one of my shows, but when I was really struggling with self-destruction and dabbled in every sort of method of self-destruction there was, including uh, eating disorders, um, I I really wrote negative messages to myself, and I'm not kidding. Like, I would write, Mm -hmm. you know, and I you know me. I've I've never been overweight, but when you're when you're in that self-destructive place, you don't like yourself no matter how you look. You're just you hate yourself. Everything's wrong period. about you. <laughs> right. Everything. And I would write notes like you're fat and stuff like that to to get to quote unquote motivate me to continue to to run the 6 miles a day, 6 days a week I was already doing. Um once I started you know, my counseling and working on myself and learning to love myself and getting rid of those negative voices, I would write, I love myself, like, I love you, mm-hmm. you're beautiful, you know, like, I would write the things that I needed to remind myself of, I mean, I even, you know, I, you know me, I have a lot of tattoos, and, and one of them says, love thyself on it, it's just a reminder to do that, mm-hmm. so I think, you know, replace replace that I can't with I can, and you know, it's too hard with, with it's challenging, but I can do it. Um, you know, you're fat with, you know, 
uh, I love you and you can do this or whatever your motivation needs to be, but something positive replacing that negative. I hear women especially all the time focusing constantly, and it's not just women that do this. I mean, men do it too, but I'm around women all day. And I hear them say, just in passing, I mean, we're not even talking about having a self-beat-up session, but just in passing they'll say, oh, I'm just getting so old, or oh, yeah, I just have gained so much right. weight. Or, I mean, it's just all this really negative self-talk constantly, you know, and it's it's painful for me to listen to it because they don't even think anything of it. It's just stuff that they're saying about themselves constantly that it's just very negative. Right, and, and that's true. You hear that all the time, and I'm as guilty as the next person. You know, I catch myself saying certain things that I'm going, oh, wait a minute. That didn't turn out good. But one thing about, yeah, it was not a good statement, but one thing about beliefs, and these are these are our beliefs about ourselves, right. is a belief is just a thought that we keep thinking. Right. It's that simple. So yeah. if we want to change our belief, we have to change what we think. Exactly. And by using the, the the positive affirmations and the the visualizations and the constantly reaffirming yourself in a positive way, it does start to change your belief system about yourself. Right. And it's about about consistency and doing it over and over and over again. You know. That's right. Um so I think you that know, is and, and and one more thing before we move on, and it reiterates that. I mean, you have to remember that a lot of these these women that I'm speaking about have kids, young kids. So they're saying yeah. this stuff about themselves in front of their kids, who are then taking on this idea that that's how we, that's what we do. You know, we beat ourselves mm-hmm. up, and um, regardless of what they might be saying to their kids, you know, um, children pay more attention to what you do than what you say. So, like, if you tell them they love themselves, but you're constantly hating yourself, they're going to pick up on what you're doing more than what you're telling them to do. So, actions mean everything. Yeah, so learn to love yourself so that, you know, you can love yourself in front of your kids, and then your kids will learn to love themselves because they see you doing that. Well, they're not only going to pick up on the words, but they're going to pick up on the facial expressions, the body language, the energy that you're putting out. Uh, Kids pick up on all of that. And, you know, people say, like when people are getting a divorce or whatever, and and they say, well, we never fight in front of our kids. Doesn't matter. They pick Mm -hmm. up on that energy. So kids are very intuitive. And we, you know... Like I said, between two and six, they're little sponges. So we have to be really, really careful. Um, And I wish I had known that when I was raising my children. I would have looked at things in a totally different way. But can't beat myself up for that because I didn't know it at the time. That's exactly right. And all you can do is do better now and be accountable for it and and move forward in a better way. I always encourage others to do that. If there are any mothers yeah. out there listening now that are starting to beat yourself up because you're realizing that you do this in front of your kids, don't. Stop, because that's only that's only defeating the purpose. The purpose is just right. to realize it's about progress, not perfection. It's about progress, not perfection. I always repeat that. 
And so all you do is just say, whoops, well, okay, I've been making a mistake. Okay, so I forgive myself. I'm going to move on. I'm going to do better. And be accountable. Tell your kids, you know, hey, mommy's been hard on herself a lot right in front of you, and, and I just want you to know that's not the way that we do things. we got to love ourselves, and I want you to help me. I mean, I, I need to kind of realize when I do that, and, and I'll help you do the same. I mean, kids right. really don't need a perfect parent. They need an accountable parent, and that's it. Um, One that's so, aware you know, and, and ready yeah, and willing exactly. to make the changes that need to be made. Right, so that's, and that's very and, important. And exactly. A parent that will admit that they were wrong and talk to you about it as a child, I can tell you, as a child of someone who had no accountability in one fiber of her being, um, that's all I ever wanted. If she would have just said, I'm sorry, and then talked to me about it, all would have been forgiven. So, you know, I strongly encourage you to, to read more about this, this first agreement. We've just covered a small bit of it, but I'm going to repeat it again, then we'll move on to number two. Be impeccable with your word. Speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in direction of truth and love. So, again, you'll you'll want to read through that. And the book provides a lot more information for these agreements oh, for yeah. you so that you can, you can go yeah. through this a little bit more in depth. Number two, don't take anything personally. Nothing others do is because of you. Yeah, it is hard, and boy, is this a good (laughs) one. This one hit me harder than any one, and so I hope everyone pays attention. Again, don't take anything personally. Nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality and their own dream. Boy, do I use that word a lot. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you will not be the victim of needless suffering. Yeah. That that one is very, very difficult because especially in a codependent type of relationship. Oh, it's almost impossible in a codependent relationship. We're going to think, you know, everything I do and everything I say is my fault. Mm-hmm. If they don't like it, then it's my fault. Yeah. Yep. And, and you know, this one hit me really hard because I have been taking everything my, my grandmother did personally. I took it extremely personally up until I got into counseling. And then I was helped to see how, you know, it was not, it was assisted in seeing how it was not my fault. It didn't have anything to do with me. But it has literally only been within the last two or three years that I have been able to see through another relationship that I am in with my, you know, special man in my life, uh, that has really kind of mirrored some incidents with my grandmother to me in a way that I could see them because if it had happened with my grandmother, I wouldn't have been able to see it. The emotion is too strong there, and therefore it's just hard to be objective. But in this particular situation, I can be more objective because it's not her, you know, and it's not – and so I can look at it differently. But I have only now come to realize that my grandmother – Nothing she was doing, none of the abuse, none of that. Not only was it not because of me, but it had absolutely nothing to do with me. In fact, I now realize that she was absolutely miserable and completely chronically, clinically depressed. And she was taking all of that on me because really, honestly, I was the only one around. Yeah. 
And she was just projecting, you know, projecting all of that misery and and toxicity and self-hatred and self-loathing and, you know, just depression and anger and all the other negative emotion that she was experiencing. She was projecting all of that onto me. And uh, it was unfortunate because I was a child and I was obviously taking all of that in. But but now I can look at that and see that none of that was personal. And if I had known that, I would. If, I mean, I would not have been capable as a child to realize any of that. But but sure. if I had known that at an earlier age, and again, just like you, I don't regret anything that's happened in my life. It's brought me where right. I'm supposed to be, and I we are exactly where we are supposed to be. But if I had known that earlier in my life, I can guarantee you that a lot of the heated arguments would not have occurred simply because I would have been able to look at her and say, okay, clearly you need a timeout. This isn't about me. I'm going to go. You know, like I would have been able to walk away from that and know that she's in a space and she's going through something and that has nothing to do with me. And I don't have to be around it because I don't need to subject myself to it, but I don't need to personalize it either. Right. And something about taking things personally, it's really an act of selfishness. Right. Because we make the assumption that everything is... Everything is about us. Yeah. It's me, 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 me. And, you know, we have to understand that not everything is about us. Right. You know, a lot of times it's about the other person. And, and I, you know, went through a similar thing with my dad because even on his, you know, when he was dying, I was having a difficult time because of, of the relationship we had had and and how unaccepting he had been of me and, and everything about our relationship. Right. And it wasn't until I was in a really deep meditation And I saw him as this little child who was hurting and scared and all these emotions that he, I mean, I literally saw him Mm -hmm. as a little boy. And that really helped me get through those last few months um, of him, you know, being here on this earth because it was difficult, you know. I he was dying, and of course, I wanted to be the supportive daughter, but I didn't want to put up with all the bull either. Mm-hmm. But and you know what? It's interesting that you bring up that particular um, imagery because you use that to help you get through, you know, and then be able to be there for him because you were able to see him as a little boy, and therefore right. realize that when, when we when we deal with a little three-year-old, for instance, and they throw a tantrum, we don't take that personally. You know, we know that that's about them and they need to eat or they're just, you know, uh, something is wrong, they didn't get a toy they wanted or whatever, but we don't personalize that, or we hopefully we don't. Um, right. And interestingly enough, you know, and this kind of goes back to number one, um, the first one, when I was discussing about, you know, kind of self-love and and not using the word against yourself, my counselor gave me the imagery of picturing myself as a little girl. And Mm -hmm. would I talk to my little girl like that? And if I wouldn't, then why am I talking to me like that? And so that's that's what I always did. I would imagine myself as a little girl to help me not beat up on myself. That's why inner child work is so, so important. I agree, hundred percent. Uh, and didn't you yeah. write a book? 
for inner child stuff? I think you did. I did. I did. Bedtime stories for the inner child. But being able to Also available on (laughs) Amazon.com. Being able to connect with that inner child and have an actual conversation. And in in the book, I actually have techniques for doing that that's super easy and kind of interesting and fun to do. Um, but actually having conversations with that inner child and finding out and asking, what is it that you need? You know, maybe I've not been the best parent to you. So how can I fix that? What do you need? What would make you happy? What would what would make your eyes light up? And once we figure that out, then we can bring that back into our adult self, you know, and start doing some of those things. Yeah, it's so important. You know, it's it's um, I I have more fun with my inner child when I'm with my grandson. Yeah, you know, we're out. We're out playing in the dirt with trucks and. And he's telling me, he's, you know, too, telling me stories about elk in the woods and how he's going to hunt the elk and and uh, all this, fun, you know, funny stuff, these stories. And it, I just think about, I remember when I had all those stories inside of me. Yeah. And that is so important to reconnect with that. And if you ever have a difficult time doing that, you can either get my book or you can go hang out at a uh, uh, daycare. <laughs> yes. Or a playground, even at the park. Or a playground. You know, like if, if there's a local playground, um, you know, we have a lot of public playgrounds, and if you just go sit at the playground and, and mm-hmm. just observe the children and how they play and, and, and try to do that a little bit, you know, yourself. I mean, it really is. I I know some people think it's weird or that it would feel weird, but it really isn't. Do you you really need to do that? Your inner child is still here, still very much alive, and still really needs that play. So it would be great. And, and that it's is very helpful. That is, yeah, that is part about you know, uh, that goes back to number one. You know, mm-hmm. being impeccable yeah. with your word, treating yourself kindly, and. You know, you treat your inner child with kindness. That's what we exactly. need to do. And not taking things personally. You know, right. we get in touch with that inner child and and the inner child of other people. You know, look at exactly. them and say, oh, my goodness. You know, there's something about them where they've been hurt. And I exactly. need to recognize that. And that's, right. that's where that emotion or that you know, feeling is coming from from them. If they've, you know, offended you or said something to you, look at it like that. Okay, where are they hurting and why are they hurting? Right. And, and, they're, and then what they, can I they do are just they are just children that have been hurt. That's yeah. really all they are, yeah. you know, that they're just children in, in adult bodies, you know, that have been hurt. And whatever that pain is, it's still there very deep. And, you know, it's kind of like my counselor used to tell me, whatever trauma has occurred, in my life, I'm stuck at the, at the age of the first one, the first major mm-hmm. trauma in my life. That's that's what I was stuck at when I entered counseling, and I was stuck at age five. So much yeah. of my actions 
much of my choices, many of my words and the way that I reacted to, um, you know, conflict, uh, I acted like a five-year-old, very much so. Yeah. I mean, I would throw adult tantrums, no joke, because it was I was a five-year-old when it came to crisis or conflict. I reacted very much like a child because that's where I was stuck. So when things became stressful or there was a crisis or there was some sort of intense conflict, then I reverted back to what I knew, which was my five-year-old tool book, toolbox, you know, and that was not very, yeah. not very pretty in the adult world. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's very important to revisit your inner child and do that inner child work. I don't want to blow through these next two. We have about a minute and 35 seconds left here. So here's my idea is that we take the next two agreements and save them for next Monday. How do you feel about that? Absolutely, because there's no way. I didn't think we'd be able to get through the, all four of them. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I know, what, what I will know. What, what I will let everybody know is that uh, if you have a chance, if you don't have this book and you have a chance between now and next Monday, go out and grab it. It's 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 not expensive. Um, you can also get it online, or you can look up the the website that we're going to post um, on our Facebook page, Girl Power Half Hour on Facebook, and you can follow along then. But I just want to repeat really quickly the first two: be impeccable with your word. And two, don't take anything personally. And then we'll go over the last two agreements on Monday next week. Sounds like fun. And thank you for everybody for sharing our Facebook page, Girl Power Half Hour. It is growing and growing and growing so quickly. Really pleased. Um, So continue sharing. And remember, when we get to 200, we're going to have a prize, a little contest. And um, we won't tell you what that is until we get there. But please be sure to share and get everybody, you know, to like our page. And tomorrow, Lisa Carmen going to be talking about the burlesque experience. So you're going to have to tune in. And we will talk to you tomorrow.